It is Tuesday, August the 20th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And Will, we've done it again. The curse of Two Guys, One Cup. As of recording... Well, I was going to say, it's 1.10pm. We yeah. probably should note that because <laughs> it means that we have indeed, Charlie, done it again. We've done it again. Second time this year, we've started recording within an hour within an hour of a coach being sacked. Ross the boss is no more. Ross Lyon, sacked mm. from Fremantle. Mm. It, 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 it kind of a few weeks ago, it felt like something was happening at Fremantle with Ross Lyon. But then in the last couple of weeks, it had kind of died down. And you were like, oh no, Ross is going to be fine. You know, any chance there is going to be a sack coach, it's probably going to be one of the two Adelaide teams before the end of the of the season. But that's probably the only one that's left up our sleeves. But it really is going to be one of those seasons where about half the competition <laughs> end up with new coaches. Yeah. It was, he was a man under siege. Like, that's what it felt like when he did that press conference just to kind of sort of restate his position and say he's got a contract and he intends to see it out. Like, I thought you're right. Like you were saying, he's quelled all the rumours, he's come out firmly, but it also felt like a guy who didn't know the knives were out for him. I mean, it felt like if you if you, if you you were following the scuttlebutt online, Frio supporters were not happy. This felt like they were pushing for this more than anyone. Yeah, when Ross Lyon came out and said that he was uh, going to full support of the board, there and, and he was going to um, see out his contract, they then had to ring Ross and go, hey, yeah, mate, um, yeah, that's not actually the issue. Yeah. Your commitment to this club is not the issue. It's our commitment to you. Uh, it's good that you don't want to break up with us, but this makes this next conversation really, really awkward now because we definitely want to break up with you. Uh, you know the way that Marcus Adams felt about the Western Bulldogs? <laughs> That's how Western Australia feels about you, Ross Lyon. <laughs> Go away. Now, look, he could still be appointed to a new club for, for next year, but if he isn't, S- where- St Kilda. No. St Kilda's still open, Charlie. No. Ross Lyon back to the Saints. No, or back, the Saints to, back, back to Seaford. Back to Seaford. It's my master plan. <laughs> Although I feel like he left I feel like he left the year after we went to Seaford. So I, I'm not sure that he I don't think that he is a Seaford he's a, a key part of that Seaford move. Wouldn't we need to get well, Scott, maybe, Scott Waters back? So Scott Waters back back to Seaford. That is the formula. Well, what about a Ross Lyon Scott Waters double ticket? Oh, yeah. Ross in the overseeing role and, and Scotty stepping up to the top job again. I mean, I did have the reason I, I found out that Ross Lyon got sacked today is not because I was on AFL.com, but because someone messaged me saying, if the Saints appoint Ross Lyon, I'm sticking my membership in the microwave. <laughs> Which made me think that we had appointed him. I was like, oh, shit, I better check this out. But I couldn't see it happening. I mean, there is so much bad blood. And he doesn't have any connections to the club anymore. No players who played under him are still at the club. Or maybe Jack Stephen. Jack Stephen. But he might not be at the club next year. Well, maybe that's the thing. Maybe, like, you know, it's a fresh start for Ross back at St Kilda. <laughs> fresh <I> start. Mean... <laughs> Well, would he, if he doesn't get a, if he doesn't pick up another coaching job, if he doesn't go to like a, well, who would he go to? Who's left? An Adelaide club, I guess, would be the only potentially. Could he go into the David Teague overseer role at Carlton? I just don't know. You want any coach would want Ross overseeing them? Would you want? I wouldn't want Ross to w- watch me making a sandwich. <laughs> I'd feel way too much pressure. <laughs> Well, maybe oh, though, how you're gonna, that sort of it's thing. a lot of like, butter. There's a lot of butter there, the, and uh, you know that lettuce looks a bit soft. Yeah, I mean, look at well, the- you know, <laughs> I like to let the spreaders do the spreading. Um, if you just concentrate on the butterer doing the buttering, that's uh, that's his job. That's not my job. I don't know that. Uh, so you're saying like he's got this wealth of experience, right? But that that was going back to my original question: is how do you view his legacy in football? He's the guy who almost got there three times. Well, he got there. Like, I mean, he got there and he got close. Like, you know, they've finished minor premiers. They've made grand finals. Like, he's that's that's all you can really do as a coach. Then it's a bit of a toss of the coin come grand final day. 
Well, is it is John worse? So John Worsfold has won one flag as a coach, but got them to what two grand finals? Is he a better coach than Ross Lyon just because of the one flag? No, I don't think that he is. Really, and I don't think that I don't think that Adam Simpson's a better coach than Nathan Buckley based on last season. Mm. Like over their careers, you might be able to judge them differently, but last season they probably coached as well as each other. So where do you think Ross would go? Melbourne. Melbourne needs some bloody Ross. Oh, some discipline. Can you imagine Mel- them trying to get away with this year with Ross the boss as a director of coaching? Bring in Ross Lyon to Melbourne. That is exactly what they need. Oh yes, absolutely. I'm a hundred percent on board. Yes, get get Ross Lyon to Melbourne. Bringing in a bit of that hard edge. Knock knock the big heads out of them. Yeah. Well, that makes sense because Paul Ruse and Ross Lyon are famously like best mates. Rosie had the original job. He's probably called Ross up and said, mate, this club will pay you $2 million to do fuck all. That's all I did. You should take it. I'll set up a meeting. What about a Ruse-Ross combo? They are best mates. They talk all the time. They're a bit of yin and yang. Is there any value in appointing like a double ticket at your club, Ruse and Ross? Ru-Ross. The Ru-Ross combo. Yeah. Uh, so how would that work? They're both directors of coaching. Simon Goodwin is still senior coach or does Simon Goodwin get sacked and you install the uh, Ross combination? Well, I guess you've got to find a club that, uh, I guess St Kilda's the only club that doesn't have a... Port, what about Port Adelaide? Could Ross Lyon coach Port Adelaide or Adelaide? I mean, yeah, definitely. I think he could. I guess, what do you think of when you think of Ross Lyon? Like what's his style, his persona? What do you think? I think that he's curmudgeonly. Yes. That he's grumpy. Yeah. Uh, that he does. He cares about winning, and he doesn't care about you know flamboyance and style. Uh, that he's probably a real pain in the ass to work with from a sort of team management and you know officialdom point of view. That he causes more headaches for you than he facilitates <laughs> things easily around the club. That he marches to the beat of his own drum. That he does things his own way. That he talks mostly in incomprehensible riddles. <laughs> That he does not take shit from anybody, that he does not suffer fools, gladly or otherwise. <laughs> fools, do not go near Ross Lyon, for ye will not be suffered. So with that profile, then I think Melbourne is the natural choice because I don't think that Adelaide I mean Adelaide has a host of kind of like leaders and stuff. They're just in a they're just mm-hmm. in a, a, a state where they need to turn over players. And as we know, Ross don't do rebuilds. <laughs> <laughs> that's his tattoo <laughs> like such is life across Ben Cousins stomach Ross has got don't do rebuilds across his stomach so I don't think he goes to Adelaide because they could be moving up to what six players they're speculating doesn't go to Adelaide Port Adelaide I don't know that Port has a problem with big pudding heads and all that kind of stuff but Melbourne Melbourne has a problem with pudding heads what if because the thing about Ken Hinckley that everyone says is he's a straight shooter yeah you know if you ask Ken Hinckley a question he'll give you an honest answer <laughs> whereas Whereas the thing you know about Ross Lyon is that you ask him a straight question and he'll give you a series of ever more increasingly difficult riddles. Yeah. So maybe that's the direction they want to go to. They want to go the opposite direction. They need, you know, Ken's too straight with the team and they can't handle it. What we need is some sort of, you know, uh, you know a coach who talks in riddles three. Right. So we need so the, the players need to be more engaged. You need to activate their brains. So rather than just getting, okay, see ball, get ball, kick ball, they need something that's just a bit more esoteric and harder to interpret to keep them engaged. Yeah, basically what the idea is that we've noticed around the club a lot of the young players are doing cryptic crosswords and they just are not challenged by Ken Hinckley's straight-ahead jumble style. What we need is... Michael, oh. is your microphone on? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Sorry, for people at home, you can't hear it. We've got our head, we can hear Mike Hal on our headphones. <laughs> and it sounds like he's tearing up like rubber flooring or something. It is very loud. <laughs> Imagine if Ross Lyon had been on this podcast and he'd heard that come through his headphones from Mike Hal. Can you imagine the response? You saw what he did to that photographer who was just trying to take photos of him. <laughs> <laughs> did you see 
I think we were watching it. Maybe it was on that episode of The Bounce we watched together when David David Teague was doing that press conference and the fella from 3AW has his microphones, but there's no microphone stand. And so in the press conference, there's just this guy where everyone else's microphones are set up and stand. There's this, this guy standing way too close to yeah, him, awkwardly right. holding all these microphones. And David Teague won't start his press conference because he, he assumes this guy is like setting something up. And he's like, Oh, no, no, I'm just going to stand here with all these microphones in the most awkward way possible. So you have to write Ross Lyon's obituary, football obituary. What do you say about Ross? If this is the last game he has a senior coach, how do you frame him? Uh, always the bridesmaid, never the bride, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it will be Ooh. like a super coach whose record will be diminished by the fact that he never won a premiership, regardless of whether that's fair or not. Because his win-loss record before the last couple of years in Frio was as good as anyone has ever coached. And he got his team to a lot of finals and got them in the mix. And he, he certainly had a game plan and a way about, of going about it and all those sort of things. And I found him entertaining. Yeah, I've always been a bit of a Ross Lyon fan for the entertainment that he brings to the game. Yeah, he has a, he has a kind of dry, dry sense of humour, doesn't he? Like I like seeing a Ross Lyon press conference, particularly when he gets a question that he doesn't like. Yeah, yeah, it, it, like he almost needs one that he really doesn't like to engage. Yeah. Up until that point, he's just kind of playing a game and then just one comes along and he's like, you know what he's like? He's kind of like a, a you know, a really patient test match uh, batsman. Mm. Just one of those guys who's willing to just leave five or six balls and over, just waiting for that juicy one that lobs out of their hand wrong that he can just smash over the fence. Well, I'm just looking at the AFL.com article about it and they've put up a graph which is, uh, so Ross Lyon taking over at 2012. And so they had a real spike from 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015. That was kind of their peak. And then from that, so they finished second in 2013, which is probably like their highest finish under Ross Lyon. Then they finished sixth in 2014, and then they finished fourth in 2015, which I don't even remember. But then after that, they fell off a cliff. They dropped down to 16th. In 2016, and then it's been just a kind of middling round about 15th to 15th to th- between 15th and 13th over the last three years. So, I mean, it's not surprising. And as we know, Will, Ross don't do rebuilds. Ross don't do rebuilds. Like he's got the tattoo. Yeah. Same guy who did Ben Cousins one. So knowing that Ross don't do rebuilds, that does kind of limit where he can go, doesn't it? Like even if... For instance, just say St Kilda was on the table, which I don't think it is. But we sort of need he we still need to recruit and trade in a few more guns to sort of get to that, you know, get to a be a finals team. So I don't know that he would be the right coach anyway. I think we and the trend with coaching seems to be like we all want Bevo, right? We all want the skateboard riding, baseball cap wearing, guy who can speak to the young guy. Although I guess Chris Fagan is old school. But Chris Fagan's a different kind of old school. <laughs> Maybe that's the solution. Ross Lyon has to reinvent himself as a bumbling, a lovable gill. Yeah, because Chris Fagan, he's not your sort of grumpy old man. Chris Fagan's more like the cool dad. Who like when you were seventeen would like drive you all to parties and you know maybe go and pick you up some grog on the way there and go go and have a good time, boys. I remember when I was young. Yeah, exactly. That's what Chris Fagan's got about himself. Chris Fagan probably drops some of the players out at night. <laughs> yeah, if they want to go down the valley, they want to go down Fortitude Valley in Brisbane. Chris Fagan probably comes down and picks them up in a Tarago. Yeah, he goes. It's fine. You can go out. Yeah. You call me at any time during the night. I'll just be at home yeah. reading. Yeah, he says. And you know, when you get, get home, just send me a text to make sure you, I know that you're home. I'll get some beers at the club because I don't mind if you drink, but I'd much rather you drink at the club where I can keep an eye on you. You can invite your friends around. I don't mind. Did you see there's an amazing vision of what's, him? What's this music, fellas? This is good. What is this? <laughs> what do they call this? Who's this man? They're good? <laughs> there was vision of him, I think it was last week, not against the cats, where... He was on his way out to the huddle and he'd obviously had been writing down some info, some statistical info from one of the laptops on the bench, but he kept getting like two or three meters from the laptop and then forgetting what he'd written down, having to go back. And so they sped up the footage and he goes back like five or six times. It was so Gil Gunderson. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that most people would just like shoot that to their phone or to another device, but he's from a different era where he doesn't trust it unless it's written down on pen and paper. I mean, how are those lines? Like, that is 
that is the feel-good story of the year, even more than Melbourne last year, isn't it? Like, just the way they were playing that game on the weekend, the way it finished, the way Gil Gunderson reacted at the end, given, <laughs> as someone pointed out online, hugging Harris Andrews like they're at the end of a romantic movie. <laughs> I mean... What an unlikely couple, but we were so barracking for them to get together. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who would have ever thought that Gil Gunderson and the, the men's the menswear store would get together? But they have been so integral to the success of that club. And the fact that Hodgie is looking at a fifth flag and look, they're probably still not the favourites to win it, but they keep doing everything they can to, to convince people that they're going to at least have a crack at it. It's kind of weird too, isn't it? Because like the Cats could still finish on top of the ladder. But for some reason, out of those top four teams, I don't know if it's just like a bias or I'm like, yeah, I don't want to say the Cats win it, but I also don't feel like they will win it. It's amazing though, isn't it? Out of that game on the weekend, and this is what you love about football, out of that one game on the weekend, people are like, oh my God, Brisbane on the top of the ladder. Brisbane can actually win this. Like Everyone's like, I'm convinced. That game has convinced me that Brisbane can win the premiership. And then the other story that seems to come out of that game is like, ah, I reckon Geelong are wobbly. What's going on with Geelong? And you're like, they lost by a kick. <laughs> a guy took a screamer at the end and they lost by a kick at the Gabba. Mm. Like Geelong travelled to the Gabba and lost by a kick. And apparently Brisbane can now win the premiership and Geelong will probably finish like out of the eight somehow, <laughs> technically. <laughs> well, someone actually hit us up on Twitter, uh, pointing out that apparently uh, Nick Revolt sat in on, on the couch last night, did his first on the couch appearance, and spent oh, the first 10 minutes right. just taking swipes at Ree Stanley. <laughs> oh, no. He didn't bring out his book, did he? Uh, he no. didn't start doing a radio reading. He didn't, he didn't go down to Audible and do an audio book of his book just so that he could drop in more Ree Stanley disses. I didn't see it. So this is from Daniel. He says, hi, guys, love the show. Just thought I'd let you know that Nick Revolt has made his couch debut tonight, only to hand out a few drive-by shots to Reese Stanley within the first 10 minutes. Footy's biggest pointless rivalry continues. <laughs> Go Saints. It is both biggest and pointless. Like yeah. Now that we've discovered it, the fact that, like, poor old Reese Stanley is probably sitting at home on a Monday night watching on the couch, and he just goes, ah, oh, I love I love Jonathan Brown. I love Gary Lyon. I love oh, their banter. On. Yeah, who's who's on the show tonight? Oh, no. Why does this guy hate me so much? Why does he hate him? Like, Rui, one of the most decorated, lauded players of all time, fantastic media performer now, married to a beautiful wife, just had his third beautiful child. Everything is coming up revolt. <laughs> feels the need to do another drive-by on that headband wearing Reece Stanley. Actually, now I'm starting to get it. The more I talk about it, the more I get it. Uh, the, the only reason he takes media jobs is so he can have another place to defame Reece Stanley. I mean, I like, think, I'll fucking get him. <laughs> it does come back. Fucking, I will get that motherfucker. I don't care how many TV and radio and books I need to fucking write, I am going to take down motherfucking Reece Stanley. It's kind of like the world's biggest band having a go at some covers band, some high school band. It's like, mate, why are you even worried about it? Why? Like, it, it's so hilarious, but also what a great week for him to go on because Reece Stanley has been a bit shit. Mm. And so it's like, if you're Nick Rewalt and they suddenly are like, hey, uh, we'd love for you to come and do On the Couch on Monday night. And he's like, oh, I'm actually really busy at the moment. i got a lot of other commitments. And, um, oh, we're going to discuss how Rhys Stanley is the only thing standing between the Cats and the Premiership. I'm fucking there. I'm there. No, you don't need to send me a cab charge. I'll drive myself. I'm driving in now. It's not until Monday. Don't care. I'm going to go out the back and write some Rhys Stanley disses. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 there is another Ruckman this year for, uh, for Essendon, Zach Clark, who I know was basically brought in to cover the loss of Bell Chambers and stuff. But every week it feels like every... Everything you read, every podcast you listen to, they love having a crack at Zach Clark. And I'm like, this dude thought he was retired at the end of last year, has been brought up as a third string ruckman, is throwing his body, the, one of the hardest positions on the ground to play, definitely the most physically taxing one. He's doing his best. He was never the first choice. And all people can say is this guy is shit at football. I would love if he went with that, if he just went on TV and was like, <laughs> what? what were you expecting? <laughs> I've, 
this I've played my entire career as at best a big-hearted trier. I've never been any good. Like what? What could you have possibly expected? I was wrapped when they asked me. Don't get me wrong, and I've given it a real crack. But I've never been any good. They're paying me the minimum possible wage that you can get paid as a player. Value for money. <laughs> I've got to be honest with you. I'm doing fine. Now, here are a list of names of people who are getting paid a lot more than me and were drafted a lot higher than me and are much younger in their career. I'm going to know. It just starts going through names. How about this bloke? $900,000 a year. Hasn't played. Hasn't played. At least I've played. I'm getting paid $240,000 a year. And I've played every game in the hardest position. Fuck you. Fuck all of you. Imagine, imagine if he just dumped on Ray Stanley. That's what I would love. It's like, sure. I'm a terrible footballer. I'm a third-string ruckman who was brought up at the last minute, but I'm not Reece Stanley. Definitely not Reece Stanley. Have you read Nick Rewald's book? I'm not even mentioned. <laughs> so you must be feeling pretty excited. I am uh, trepidatious. But oh, yes, how can you be both. trepidatious now? Like, this was the hard match. Beating the Giants was the hard game. Now you've just got... Well, that's, what, that's, now, that's exactly why I'm trepidatious, Charlie, uh, because... Right. If there is one story of the Bulldogs this season is that we have a really good record against people above us on the ladder, but we struggle against people below us on the ladder. And I said to you three weeks ago, we were in a sweet position because every team we had to play on the way home was above us on the ladder. So if we beat them all, that was A, a good sign for us going to the finals, but B, that's our sweet zone. Mm. But what happened last round is we have moved ahead of Adelaide on on the ladder. We're now in eighth and they're out of the eight which puts makes this a danger game for us, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying, but I feel like you guys have, well, apart from losing to the Saints, in the last like, month, you guys have found some consistency. And I think it's exciting. This is kind of 2016 all over again. In fact, Will, if you flip a six upside down, it becomes a nine. <laughs> so we quickly need to come up with a reverse the curse style uh, moniker for this finals campaign. Flip, flip. Flip the six and dogs will do teach a dog new tricks. You know what I would love, and I'd be absolutely fine with this if we went through a period of time, the Bulldogs, where we won a flag, then missed the finals the next two years, then won another flag. That would be almost the perfect. Like everyone talks about back to back and back to like all that sort of stuff, but to be honest, that's not enough time to appreciate it. If we just won one. And then had a couple of years out of the final so you could do other things in September and then won another flag. That would be ideal. That's almost your dream run. But I don't think we're that good. I think I think what we have is a really wonderful sort of midfield. Oh, really? Um, I haven't heard anything about that. The Bulldogs have a, a good midfield, do they? That's funny. I have not heard anyone mention that before. But this is the thing that I, like for the last few seasons, I've been, I could, you could just see it. I reckon those champion teams, it's when you have seven or eight players who could easily be midfielders that I think you really start to come into your to your own. And that's what we've got. But we're still very inexperienced down forward and very inexperienced down back. So I think come September, we'd, we'd have to get a really good run on. But yeah, the last two halves that we've played, you know, have been amazing. And there does seem to be a way that they're clicking at the moment, the Bulldogs, where they just wear the other team down. And then once we get on top of them, you can just kind of plow over the top of them. It was pretty fun to watch. Well, that's the thing, though, that makes the Bulldogs exciting to watch is it's kind of a bit like the Lions and the Eagles is the skills are so good that when you get on a roll, it's really hard to stop them. And so that's why I think most kind of neutral observers want to see the Bulldogs get in there because you'll wreck shit. Like you may only have like one club in the bag, but you'll swing that club a few times and, you know, you might hit a few balls straightly, you might miss, but it's going to be fun to watch because I would hate to be finishing. So where's the highest you could finish? Seventh? Uh, I think actually we can get as high as sixth. Right. But anyone, whoever comes up against you is going to be in the bottom half of the eight. So vulnerable. And I would hate to be coming up against the Bulldogs in this red hot form. Look, don't want to put the moz on you. You haven't beaten the Crows just yet, but I think you will. I think the Crows have given up. I mean, how could you not? How could you be a Crows supporter this year or a Crows player and not have just put the cue in the rack by now. I mean, I hope the Crows have given up. I hope they have not given up so much. They sacked their coach this week because that has <laughs> traditionally been a tough thing for us to overcome this season. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that um, 
I hope they've given up. I hope Adelaide have put the... Because we're not great at Ballarat. We don't have a great record at, at Ballarat. Yeah. Um, Mate, they you were, know, did you like, see them against the Pies? They were terrible. Terrible. Everything to play for at home, terrible. Yeah. Well, let's hope they continue being terrible because that would be great for us, obviously. And it would be a very... like. It's been a fun end to the season to be a Bulldogs fan. There's no doubt about that. They have played some really good games of football in the last sort of two months, you know. Yeah. So it's been, yeah, it's been great. There's, and look, the thing that's really optimistic about it is all the people who've been playing well and starring have so much football ahead of them. That's the real thing that's exciting yeah. about it is when you see that forward line working with, you know, Bailey Dale and um, Shaki and Norton, mm. you suddenly start to go... Oh, this is this is pretty fun, and like two or three years from now, this could be really good fun. Yeah, you know who also is starring, Marcus Adams. <laughs> He's so good. I just everybody loves the Bulldogs, and they're charged to the finals, except for Marcus Adams. It's just, who is it's just, just baffling. It is. I just can't get my head around it. Like he mature age recruit who came to a club in the flag year. And then did everything he could to get away from that club. And it's like, I don't understand. Why? What happened? I mean, there's got to be more to it. I mean, there has to be more to it. Because... He went as like far you said, away from WA. He got there at the best place. He was, he was, like you said, a mature age player. A guy who maybe never would have got a crack at the AFL. <laughs> He's eventually got one at a club that's never been that much good. He's there when they are really good. The best of times, and is this this joint is shit, and I hate every bit of it. And it's not even the go home factor; it's the go as far away as I can factor. Oh no, I don't give a shit about home, mate. I hate my family. <laughs> I burnt my house down when I left. I just don't want to be here. I hate my family, but you know what I hate more? The bulldogs. The bulldogs. They said you're part of our family, and that's why I hated them because I hate my family and I hate their family. And I'm burning that place down too. No, Marcus, please. Just go to Brisbane. Um, Big Ben Brown. My favourite performance of the weekend. So great. Isn't it great to see someone kick a bag of 10? Just when you know that they're in the flow and you start different to the rough head thing. But when you see a player when all of a sudden every midfielder, they start looking for them in that last quarter. They want to get them over to 10. That's when it becomes fun. For me, yeah, absolutely that's the case. But for me, I enjoyed the roughy one even more because... Um, because it was really just some gun older players not even considering kicking it to anybody else but Ruffy. <laughs> like, that's what I loved about it the most. It was just like those great Hawks old stages who've been there a million times and are just like, nah, today, like, we'll make sure that we win. But today is about one thing. It is kicking the ball to Ruffy. So much so that in that last, you know, 30 seconds where they were trying to kick him another one and he literally had to put up his hand like, no, nah, I'm fucked. <laughs> I, can't. I can't lead again. <laughs> like, I literally, I'm sorry. If they hadn't been playing the Suns, do you reckon he would have been in? Well, he kicked. Alistair Clarkson said it's going to be hard to drop him after six goals. Um, I mean, he still will, but well, he said it's going to be hard. I mean, they'll know. Hang on, when do the Hawks play? No, they play. Set. They won't. They won't know until Sunday whether or not they're a shot for the finals because it'll depend on your result, won't it? So they've gonna... got to pick the best team they can to win that game. I, if, I think if I think Ruffy is in, if you have to win a game, mm. because the whole idea of Ruffy not playing is more with them having an eye to the future. I would have yeah, thought, yeah. right? But this is just one game. And you yeah. need to win this game, and there's a chance you still might play finals. Yeah, I just don't know if your team's worse having Ruffy in it, particularly going over to play because they play West Coast, right? Uh, yeah. So you're talking about a team that is a big team, you know, like lines mm. up big. You know, yeah, down they're, they're forward, no, they're no Gold back. Coast. Yeah, but I think you need a big forward, right? Don't you need like if you've got like that back line that the West Coast have, don't you? Or do you go small and try to? Well, I just think it's more that thing of, you know, when a player gets a farewell game, like I know when the Saints, they had a big farewell game like in 2012 or no, probably 13, 14, where it was like Cozzy and Blakey and Stephen Milne. And Cozzy was like, had been like Ruffy had been out the entire year, but they brought him in for that one game. And hearing him talk about it was like he had enough petrol in the tank for that. But after that, he like could barely walk the next day. And I... 
imagine Ruffy might be the same. Even Jack Stephen, you know, he was played a blinder against Freo, won the game for us, and then this week could barely touch the ball. Was so, I mean, all that stuff we talked about him being like fat fit and fit fat and whatever last week. It's like, no, no, he's just out of shape. You actually, you actually saw it when the contest was a little hotter. Well, this is my point though. He shouldn't be playing every week. That contract we were trying to negotiate with him wouldn't require him to play every single week. He's bugging, mate. He's not in shape to be playing every week. Every second or third week. That's your that's your perfect contract. Yeah. Pies. You're on a heavy pie program for weeks one through three, and then you play every fourth week. Jack, it's your uh, agent here. Um, I'd just like to say this to you. Pies. <laughs> He's like, oh, I've got an offer from Collingwood? No, 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 no. <laughs> but we do have an offer that involves you eating pies. <laughs> I uh, was a little annoyed with that Saints-Carlton game. I got the feeling watching it that the commentators, I mean, there was 50,000 people at the MCG for that game, for that dead rubber game. Like you can sense that da-da-da-da-da, like it's starting again. You can sense that bit of optimism. It is starting again. It's starting again. And and, And the commentators were barracking for them. Like in the second quarter, we got like 30 points up. We were absolutely killing them. And they had nothing to say. But then the minute Carlton came back, they were like, oh, and there's an eye on the future and look at all these guns yet to come back in. It's like, all right, all right. Even Dwayne Russell was saying a strong Carlton is good for the competition. But you know my feelings on this, Will. (laughs) I think a strong Carlton is temporarily good for the competition. There's no doubt about that. Because like Richmond, their fans just pour out of the woodwork, don't they? Yeah. Like... I mean, you say that thing about da 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 da, but it is literally like you'd imagine it at the start of like a film about it, where that noise is just going through the suburbs of Carlton. So it's and like just people start to like walk out of their houses, just hearing it towards the ground. See, I hear it more like the Jaws music. To me, that da 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 is a sound of impending danger. <laughs> just when you thought it was safe to go back to the football. <laughs> There is a lot of optimism about the place. I mean, has Chris Judd been forced to reevaluate his training wheels comment? Okay. Can we can we talk training wheels? Yep. So, it's such a cuz football we just need things to talk about. So, <laughs> football, right? That's the truth of it. Is that just every week people get obsessed about some nonsense, some rule or something or whatever, just so that we have something to talk about for a week and then we move on to the next thing. And training wheels is the greatest example of that, you know, which is that Juddy was in a position where at the time, Carlton were clearly after Brendan Bolton going, we've tried someone who's like not high profile. We probably need to look at like one of the bigger coaches. They were going to make a serious play to see if they could get like Alistair Clarkson or, you know, really kind of recruit a super coach. And then in the meantime, you know, as, as Juddy likes to say, the data changed, but he got asked about it and he tried to, I think, make a, I think he tried to make just a general sort of comment that wasn't specifically about David Teague, but it came across as if it was literally about David Teague. And I think that then everybody just ran, would not let him. Every time he was like, that wasn't specifically about him. And he's not on training wheels. Like he'll have coached a whole bunch of games, you know, before the end of the season, he's got a long coach. You wouldn't say that he's on training wheels, but every single asshole in football has gone, well, what are you going to retract your training wheels now? And every time he's like, well, I didn't really have, I didn't, that wasn't really what I was saying. I mean, of course I have. Like we, I was on the, we appointed him. Like that is the retraction. <laughs> I didn't realize you're a bloody Chris Judd apologist. I'm not, because I am one of the people who has mocked it. We had him in oh, like, this week on the radio, and I always mock him about the training wheels. Like <laughs> I think it's funny, because I know that he didn't say it in that way, and so I think it's funny to mock him about it. But I do think that it's bullshit when the footy committee... Like, I think it's... Training wheels is a classic example of us being, well, what was he trying to say? All of us actually knowing that he couldn't say anything. Because what could he say? <laughs> What can he say? Well, we're trying to get Clarko, but if we can't get Clarko and Teague's the next man, then we'll probably take Teague. Are you saying that maybe there's too much uh, scrutiny in the AFL landscape, Will? Oh, no, I don't think there is. I just think that sometimes we forget that it is all nonsense. 
that like most of the things that we spend all our time arguing about or like why won't you retract that thing you said is mostly because that person didn't really say it in the first place and it's just become part of the common folklore that they actually said it. Well, does Studs Up fit into that category? The furor around Studs Up? Ah, Studs Up is a classic. They're ruining the game. (laughs) The rules have gone too far. Like, let's get obsessed about fucking Studs Up for a week. And then, like, the AFL came out today and said, yeah, we probably got that a bit wrong. Like, you know, it was was brought in to, you know, stop... One player. (laughs) That's what Steve Hawking should have done. Yeah. He should have gone to his press conference with a picture. You know when Sinead O'Connor hosted the, like, went out on the Late Show or whatever it was, and she tore up a picture of the Pope. Yeah. Stephen Hawking should have gone out with a picture of Toby Green and torn it up and just gone, we all know who the rule was for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to name him. Let's just call him Gobi Treen. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's because I I have... So Toby Green, the two incidents that I remember, there's one where he... Was it Caleb? No. It was Dalhouse, right? Kicked Dalhouse in the yeah. face. Yes. And was there another one that was like similar? Yes. What was it? Uh, I d- Kicked someone in the face. Caleb, Caleb Daniel. <laughs> someone so basically, little, someone what, littler than Toby Green. That was the only, the only thing that was his prerequisite. The Caleb Daniel one was he punched him in the face. Like you're right. I mean, basically, yes. Toby Green... Should just be wheeled to the ground in that Hannibal Lecter style face mask and straitjacket. Yeah, look, what we've decided to do is uh, we've got rid of the uh, studs up law and we're just going to, as a compromise, wheel Toby Green to the ground Hannibal Lecter style. That's our compromise. (laughs) We feel like this just cuts down on the confusion. So that Tigers win, I think last week, I can't remember what my confusing analysis was, but it was something along the lines of, if Richmond lose, they can still win it. If West Coast lose, they won't. Or something like that. Maybe it's the reverse. I actually can't even remember what I said. <laughs> Suffice to say, we're no clearer. The score, the game was so close and it could have gone either way and it really was just like a flip of the coin. Do you have any greater clarity out of those two teams? Who you think is more likely to win it? I think that right now... The two teams most likely to win it played in that game. And if they play it again next week, it could go the other way. Who knows? What about Collingwood? Do you get any sense that maybe they're building? Three in a row now, getting players back. <coughs> Bless you. Sorry, excuse me. My hay fever has fucking kicked back in. It's good that Great. winter's over and my hay fever's back. <laughs> awesome. Well done. For its final time. Great. Just, yeah. Just in time for the finals. Um, uh, I... Look, Collingwood, don't know. Mm. Question mark still. I reckon yeah. Richmond or... Like, Richmond and West Coast both just look great. That was just a great game of football. Like, two halves, wet weather, dry weather. Two great teams. It didn't make me doubt either of those teams could win the Premiership. Let's look at this ladder, right? Let's look at this top eight and pick some okay. pick some dark horse. Okay, so from the top down, Brisbane, Geelong, West Coast, Richmond. We all think they're in with a chance, but... West Coast, Richmond, most likely. And then we get into the bottom half of the eight. And this is where there's a few dark horses. So Collingwood, dark horse, right? Yep, dark horse. Yeah, still a chance. Get some really good players back before the finals. Yep, dark horse. GWS, any chance? Well, I mean, on current form, not a chance. Not a chance. They look, yeah, they just look, they look like they're limping. Essendon. Although, I will say this, I missed the first quarter on... Uh, uh, well, the first half, really, I watched. So I watched, like, I missed the first quarter entirely of the Bulldogs game on Sunday. And mm. then the second quarter, I watched uh, Adam Rosenbachs, our, our good yep. friend Adam Rosenbachs from the Junk Time AFL podcast, has written a book, Paris and Other Disappointments. And they had the, a book launch of that on Sunday. And, uh, oh, Joe Danaher was there. Can report in person. It does have a tiny head. Oh, really? Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to go up and measure it, but I thought it would be impolite <laughs> at a social gathering. <laughs> also did not introduce myself in case the word of us talking about his tiny head had filtered back to him. So I, I avoided him. But what I did go and Joe talk to him. Danaher doing this? He made to the Rosie. Uh, I guess so. I don't know. Or maybe Joe Danaher just is constantly drinking at groovy North Fitzroy pubs. Uh, maybe. I mean, I've heard the way Rosie... I don't know. Like, anyway, he was there with Tom Harley. Is that suspicious? <laughs> <laughs> I 
Okay, so Essendon, are they a dark horse? Oh, sorry. What I was going to say was I, I, um, I, I, I watched the second quarter from the pub. Then I went home and watched the uh, second half. So at half time and in the first three minutes of the uh, third quarter, the whole commentary was around what a close game it was, how GWS were back, how blah, blah, blah. So it was one of those ones where their first half was okay, I think, GWS. So mm. they're still, if they could just do that for a whole game, they're still going to be a very competitive team. Competitive. That's not Dark Horse, though. We're looking for Dark Horse. Who's going to throw some punches? Okay. Not a Dark Horse. No, I don't think so. Essendon. I don't... Hard to I know, right? Well, it's hard to know, but I don't think that Essendon can win it. No, I don't. I, I don't. I, I don't think so. I mean, the thing that scares me is the Bulldogs get in and we play Essendon the first week, and after kicking twenty-one goals in a row against them, you know, it's that one of those classic reversal of, you know, fortune games. You know, mm. everyone's like, "Well, there's no way the Bombers can beat the Bulldogs based on the last game." Blah blah blah, and then it just goes the complete opposite direction. And then we've already discussed the Bulldogs. So just outside the eight. Hawthorne. I mean, of course, Hawthorne are always a dark horse. <laughs> like you never. Even if they don't off. finish in the finals, I'm still not discounting them winning the premiership. Uh, Adelaide, no, no. I feel like no. I just they just won't. They've won one of their last five games, so they want the season to be over. And then there's Port. Poor old fucking flaky Port. I mean, I said this last week, didn't I? That they were going to lose after the heroics of the week before. They just, you just, they must be the most infuriating team to support for. At least Melbourne, you know what you're going to get. But Port just tease you and then let you down. I mean, they are comically inconsistent. Listen to your nose blocking as we talk. I can hear your hay fever. I'm turning into into Ross Lyon. (laughs) You're turning into Shane Mumford, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was weird that we started the podcast with everybody chanting sausage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's my hay fever. I've got to try some Weizenpulver <laughs> to get, get rid of my hay fever. Got to go over to Oktoberfest for my hay fever treatment. Uh, we might have to do a bit of a shorter episode this week because uh, I'm currently in Byron Bay. I'm out um, scouting for the AFL. They're looking to establish a new team up here. The Byron Bay Mate, Gold Coast Suns. Koalas. I've said a million times. That, that is the absolute place the Gold Coast Suns should be playing. They should be playing out of the Northern Rivers. They should be, it's a, they should be another New South Wales team, play out of the Byron Bay region. You get the Hemsworths on board. You get all those celebrities live in Byron Bay. It's a great place to live. It's a much better place than the Gold Coast. That is 100% where that team should be. They should be the Northern Rivers Suns. Um, so let's go take a look at the The other games. teams wouldn't want to tackle them because they weren't vaccinated. It'd be real. <laughs> okay, so Friday night, interesting game all of a sudden. The Pies taking on uh, the Bombers at the MCG. The non-Anzac Day clash. Uh, Pies in form. Bombers had a heartening win. But I just sort of feel like I feel like the pies are building, and I feel like this would be a nice little tune-up before the break, before the finals. So pies for me. This is, of course, the uh, you return Terrain match as well, because this oh. is famously the Terrain uh, gate. Well, it wasn't the Terrain in the end. Uh, it was the relish that was oh. served with the uh, duck and rabbit Terrain. But um, this is the return match. So I guess I'm just going to be keeping an eye on the president's dinner, see if there's any return serve around the catering. See if they're bold enough to serve relish. That's what I'd be doing. I don't know who's hosting. I think Essendon were hosting it last time, which means the Pies are probably hosting it this time, which means that I just love if they demanded that they serve some sort of relish and then see how many people eat the relish. <laughs> Who are you picking? Uh, Collingwood. Saturday afternoon, the Swans host the Saints at the SCG. I'll be going to this game. I feel like I need to finish my year with a bit of disappointment. <laughs> so... Well, Sydney have been just fine, but they were good on the weekend. They played really good football. Uh, Kieran Jack, is yeah. he going to play? He'll play yeah, his final his, game. Yeah, is his final game. So Jared well. McVeigh, if he gets up, will play his final game. Might be Buddy's three hundredth if he gets back. Mm, I feel like Buddy's three hundred is going to be like the Chinese democracy of the AFL. It's always in the works, but never actually happens. <laughs> in fourteen years' time, Buddy will play his three hundredth. 
and finally that 10-year contract will be worth it. Yeah, his 300th game will also be the final game of his contract three years from now. <laughs> uh, I will always pick the Saints because I like the Saints, um, but it is hard I, to win I, the CG. Yeah, I think this. I think this one's particularly if there's a whole bunch of emotional celebrations for them. Yeah, yeah, it should be a good game. I love going to the football at the SCG, especially a Saturday afternoon game. It's normally a bit warm. You get that beautiful sunset behind the stand. I think this will be this will be a good fun day for me. So everyone listening to this, just know I'll be having fun. <laughs> Not on Saturday, <laughs> win or lose, I'll be having fun. Two uh, ten down at Bluntstone Arena in Tasmania, the Shinboners take on Melbourne. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Do you reckon like the Melbourne players like great? We have to go to Tasmania, last game in Tassie. I mean, they've already booked I'm, their tickets to Bali. It is to add insult to injury. Like having to go and play on a cold day at Lonnie for your final game when it means nothing. And yeah. your only possibility is you'll do yourself an injury <laughs> um and then have yeah, have a poor start to the off season. Um yeah, you'd think that North Melbourne, they bounced back really well, obviously, yeah. played played very well, and uh, you'd think that North would want to go down there and get the job done, more yeah. to play for. I mean, Ben Brown could win the Coleman if he has another big day. Who have they got in their back line, Melbourne, these days? It's uh, is Steve, no, May's not up. Uh, Jake Lever will go to win, won't he? Not if he's got any sense. If Jake Lever's got any sense, he won't go to Ben Brown, he'll go to Mona. <laughs> I'm picking the Shinboners in that game as well. On Saturday afternoon at GMHBA Stadium, the Wounded Cats take on a resurgent Carlton. Da, 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 da. Now, I feel like maybe I've bought into the hype because the commentators were relentless in their pumping up of the Blues, but I get the feeling the Blues might win this. I don't know. I mean, the Cats will be out to prove something, but if the Blues win, boy, doesn't that make that a delicious first week of the finals? So I'm picking Carlton, and that's my luck of the week. Uh, it, it would be... That would suddenly throw the uh, Cats amongst the pigeons, so Yay. to speak. But uh, I, I think the Cats at home. What about Reece Stanley? Does he get called up? <laughs> I think regardless of what Reece Stanley does on the weekend, Nick Rewalt would hate it. <laughs> Even if he doesn't play, Nick Rewalt will hate the way he doesn't play. <laughs> On Saturday night, Battle of the Expansion Clubs, the Gold Coast Suns host the Giants. This is what the Giants need. A nice little tune-up before the finals. Get yourself back back up and about. Yeah. No Cogs, no Patton. Missing a lot of their best players. But you're right. Maybe no be... Cameron. Cameron might be out again still. A uh, little confidence booster. On the other side of the country... Over at Optus Stadium, the Eagles host the Hawks. Um, well, the other thing is if Cameron's back and Ben Brown hasn't got a lot of goals in the North Melbourne game, oh, yeah. is there a chance that GWS could try to get Cameron the 100%. The I mean, just tell the Suns to go home. It won't make that much of a difference anyway. Just play three quarters, boys. <laughs> Pack it up. Head off to a wet and wild. <laughs> Uh, Eagles taking on the Hawks. You, I mean, you imagine the Eagles would want to finish the year strong after the disappointment of last week, and they are just a good team, man. They're just just an exciting team. Um, Eagles by five goals. Yeah, Hawthorne obviously need to win this to still have a chance to play finals, but I think I, I'm reasonably confident that the Eagles will do the right thing here and uh, beat Hawthorne. On Sunday, the Bulldogs host the Crows at Mass Stadium in Ballarat. Cold, wet, windy. Yeah. Any chance you're playing Bruce free football in this game? I hope so. I hope that, that yeah. I hope that the Adelaide Crows do the right thing by us and just don't try. Because what the Bulldogs really need is like no injuries, just good, good, just solid training run. Don't need to. <laughs> do. So if if Adelaide could come with a real "we've given up" attitude, that would be perfect. Don't even bring a banner, like. Care so little about this game, Adelaide, <laughs> that you don't even bring a banner. Eddie Betts shouldn't travel. No Tex Walker. Only bring one crouch. You don't need both crouches for the game. <laughs> Just bring one crouch. A crouch will do for Ballarat. Uh, I'm picking the Bulldogs in that game. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I hope so. I hope the Bulldogs are going to win. And, and uh, get that finals, Charlie. Finals. Can you believe it? Well, it's I good. I mean, at least really. one of us will have an interest in the finals. 
<laughs> for this year. I mean, it's been a very barren last two years on this show when it gets to finals time. We're just going through the motions, but at least one of us will be actively engaged in the process. I mean, it's quite... It's actually really unexpected. <laughs> I've been I've been thinking about it a lot over the last couple of weeks as it became... Like, it went from being sort of, a, oh, we're still statistically a chance to make the finals. And then the last couple of games where you're just like, now we re- actually realistically should make the finals. Like, it's in our own hands. Like, if we don't make the finals now, it's our fault. Like, yeah. you know, we're, we're the ones that meant that we didn't make the finals. And so, that is surprising to me. Because <laughs> I, <still, laughs> I still look at the team a bit and go, oh, this is... This is working better than it. I thought it was going to be. Like this is <laughs> this is really coming together. This is good. I reckon this Luke Beveridge might be onto something. <laughs> Game of the round. The Tigers host the Lions at the MCG. Good little taste of finals for the Lions here. They'll get a big crowd there. They'll be on the MCG. They'll get a feel for what it's like. So hopefully they're not overawed when the finals actually begin. Um, but fuck, imagine if the Lions win this. What does that do? What does that what does that mean, Will? It means that they are favourites to win the premiership. If they can beat Richmond at the MCG, they become favourites to win the premiership. Hmm. I think Richmond will win this game. Yeah, I do too, actually. But I am it's one of those ones where you're like, I hope I'm wrong. I hope what we actually see is Brisbane just you know, becoming this unstoppable force of like belief and you know charisma and just the way they play you know um yeah because i want to i want to see chris fagan run out of the coach's box stumble down the stairs (laughs) it's like this bounce down every step roll onto the mcg his pants fall down (laughs) he tries to stand up but his hip snaps and they have to call a stretcher well, no, I want, I want his pants falling down to, to, to be saved till the moment he tries to hold the Premiership Cup aloft on Grand Final Day. <laughs> <laughs> and just as he has his hands over his head, the pants just slowly slide it's down. A, just a slide whistle. <laughs> uh, and then the last game of the round might as well be called the Who Gives a Shit. <laughs> it's Port Adelaide taking on the Dockers at Adelaide Oval. Yeah. I mean, this was one of those games that was going to be for a final spot and now is, uh, well, I mean, okay, well, I guess based on the fact that uh, Frio have a new coach, then this is yeah. uh, this is a tough game, probably a danger game for Port. And where is it in Frio? No, no, actually in Adelaide. Oh, so, okay. Interesting, actually. It might Don't be know. a good game just yeah. based on the fact of that. Yeah. But... Really, who gives a shit? <laughs> who gives a shit? Port. I'm going to say port. Uh, you want to uh, check out some other great podcasts that Will and I do together, you can go to tofop.com. Uh, you can also go to the Two Guys, One Cup Facebook page to join in chat and send us messages. We'll get around to it. Maybe in bye week we should do a Two Guys, One Bag episode. That's a good idea. Um, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and I can't think of anything else to say. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> Play on, not 15. Ball. We are two guys, one car.